0: Let's start off with a, a prayer to our Father to, to get us started. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. Oh Lord God, we come to you to worship you and your, your scripture and your word. Lord, we, we pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would use my voice, that you would commandeer it, that you would speak through me, Father, and I'm honored for that privilege. Lord, I pray that you would uh, reach into each and every one of us here this morning, that you would convict us of your word, that you would change us by it. That you would grow us, oh Lord. Pray for your Holy Spirit now to, to take over, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hmm. So, we'll be uh, in Psalm 4 this morning. If you'll head there in your Bibles... Kind of go in the middle and probably a little bit to the left there. You know, I wanted to tell you that, and you probably have seen this, our culture today is busy. It's always moving. And it really seems, quite frankly, to be going to hell in a handbasket. The news is full of crime. The news is full of the latest deaths from the pandemic from the problems on the border, from all of these things that, that get into us. And they, they cause us to, to not really sleep very well at night, don't they? And then, you know, we watch the news and the commercials on these news shows in between the, the, these dreadful stories is about medications for depression, <laughs> medications to sleep. Medications to bring you a little peace, and half of the time that most of the commercial is about all the side effects from these, from these medications that are supposed to help us. So, during this last couple of weeks or so, when I've uh, I've been kind of spending a lot of time in Psalm four, I remembered a really old memory. It surfaced to me as I was doing my studies. And when I was three or four years old, maybe five years old, you know. that has been a long time ago. I'm not sure if I can really remember the age. But my mother, trying to get me to, to sleep a little better at night, taught me this little prayer. And you may recollect it. You may know it. But it goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And over the years, from that time, from time to time, when my brain is a little bit busy, you know, from the weeks or the day's activities, I think about that prayer, and it does seem to calm me down a bit. So, let's get to our passage. Enough about reminiscing old memories. Psalm 4. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust, put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound in peace. I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the first instance where we have in in the uh, Psalms where we have directions to the choir master. That is to use stringed instruments for this song. It reminds us And I hope it reminds all of us that this is a song that God's people sang in worship in the evening. Before they went to bed, they would have sung, sung this song. We also see that it was a psalm of David. Now, I want you to remember from the last time I was up here, if you were here. So, when it says a psalm of David, it doesn't necessarily mean that he wrote it. He may have. I mean, we really don't know. That's uh, 3,000 years ago. So it may be written by him, or it may be dedicated to him, or it may be about him. But it is a Psalm of David. So now let's take a few minutes and look at the context for this Psalm. So for context, we look backwards. So we're going to look at Psalm 3. And I want you to realize that Psalm 3 and 4 were both were psalms that were considered morning and evening psalms. So Psalm 3 was a morning psalm, and Psalm 4 was an evening psalm. And you can see that if you look back in Psalm 3 and verse 5, you'll see that David had laid down and slept, and then he woke again, and he says, The Lord sustained me. What a great way to wake up. To wake up and think that I've been saved by God, and He kept me through the night and then we look at today's psalm and if you look down there in verse 8 you'll see that it says in peace I can lie down and sleep knowing the Lord makes me dwell in safety so that's where you get your morning psalm and your evening psalm we also know that Psalm 3 is attributed to to the time of Absalom's revolt And I hope you remember that. That's when Absalom, his son, tried to create a coup and take over David. And he would have killed David with his own hands to be the king of Israel. And so, if it had not been for the Lord being involved in that, obviously, David would have been killed. And this is a possibility for the context for our psalm, but we really don't know for sure... Because it's not stated implicitly in that, in that psalm. We also know that, you know, you look back and you see all the different things that David went through. You know, there's a lot of reasons why he, he may have been in distress. He, he had a stressful life. This also, keep in mind that this psalm was sung by Everyone. And because it's sung by everyone, it kind of implies that it could be effective in your own life. It could apply to any one of us, as well as it did David. So now I've divided our psalm into three stanzas with the following titles. Verse 1, Relieved. Verses 2 to 5, Repent. And verses 6 to 8, Reward. So let's get started in uh, our first section here. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So David starts this psalm by calling on God. Not only that, he calls him, O God of my righteousness. This is the only place in scripture where that term is used, O God of my righteousness. Now, being anointed by God, David was anointed directly by God to be the king of Israel. So he knew that his righteousness came from God. Also, if you'll notice it there in, in that middle verse, you have given me relief when I was in distress. You have given, have given. So that's past tense. David acknowledges that God has relieved him In all these past afflictions. And he can only imagine. We can only imagine all those different distressful times right. Remember David was a shepherd as a young boy. He fought lions and bears. To save the sheep from his flock. Or for, for his father's flock. And as a young shepherd boy. Later on he went and he killed Goliath. For dishonoring God. Can you imagine how stressful that must have been? To be... I mean, he was confident, obviously. And he had God's backing, but he had to have had some distress there. And then all the times when Saul was chasing him around, and he was still fighting for Israel, and he was trying to elude, get away from Saul to keep from being killed by Saul. And then... If it's related to our psalm, in Psalm 3 we read where he must have been under distress because his son, his favored son, wanted to kill him to take over the kingdom. So David recognizes all of these different times that he's been relieved from his distress when he's called on God. And I'm sure that's been a lot. Because... We only have read a few of them. So David knows that God is with him and he hears him as well. And knowing God is in control, he doesn't ask, but he tells God with confidence and in anguish, answer me when I call, be gracious to me and hear my prayers. And did you notice that that's emphasized? That is said twice in that passage. This is a desperate man. O God of my righteousness, you've heard and answered me before. Do you have confidence to call on God? Do you have confidence to, to sit there and call on God, the God of your righteousness, to answer your prayers? As David saw answers to his various prayers over many years, we too should be looking back in our past to see all these prayers that God has answered for us. And the older you are and and the longer you've been in Christ, you'll see when you look back, if you haven't been journaling them, that He has answered a lot of those prayers. Now let's take a moment and think about... um, Well, I want to say one thing to that also. Garth Brooks had it wrong... When he said, thank God for unanswered prayers, because God answers every single one of our prayers. Sometimes that answers no, but he still answers them. David has repeatedly called on the mercy of God, of my righteousness, the God who maintains his right, and the God who has repeatedly answered him with relief in his distress. And because of that, he trusts God. God always follows through. So as we move on into the next stanza, let's see what, why David is in such a distressed state. In the second stanza, David departs from his talking to God. He deviates from the prayer to God, and he speaks to these men. As we read, listen for the contrast between David and these men. Repent is what I've titled this stanza. Verses 2 to 5. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But I know, or but know, that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices, and put your trust in the Lord. So, as we look at this passage, first of all, let's see, who are these men, in verse 2, that David is questioning? Scripture doesn't tell us exactly who they are, and the the Hebrew word here, doesn't translate very well into the English vernacular. In fact, what we see is men, O men, that word really points to prominent citizens, the wealthy, the wealthy and the the powerful people in Israel. These are the people that would have been in in David's area, in his um, proximity, you know, in, in the kingdom portion where... You know, they all hang out, I guess, around the, the throne and, and all the meeting places where he goes to. So these are wealthy people whom he would have seen on a regular basis. It appears that these men have been shaming David for quite some time, shaming him with vain words or with lies. Now, we don't know what they were saying, but obviously it was pretty hurtful to him. It was causing him great distress and if this is a reference you know back to psalm 3 we could look at psalm 3 verse 2 where he says many are saying of my soul there is no salvation for him and god now can you imagine you're the anointed king of israel you've been anointed by god and people are telling you there's no salvation for you and god just because you're anointed, who cares? Can you imagine how that must have felt for David? For David who had a heart for God. Some writers, some of the, a lot of the writers actually that I've read have said that these were enemies of David that were saying these things. But you know, I, I think back to that. And if these were enemies... You know, usually when enemies say something bad to you, you can kind of brush it off because they're your enemies. But really, it's the people that you're with, the people that you see on a day to day basis, your friends, your close acquaintances. Those are the people that when they say these things, it really, really hurts down deep, doesn't it? Words matter. It matters, and it's far more hurtful and distressful than we always than we think about sometimes. So if these were his enemies, if these were the enemies of the king, he could have just thrown them in jail and not had to hear them at all. That's why I really think that these were probably his acquaintances, those people that were supposed to be his friends. David asked these men two questions. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How long? How long? Emphasized again. So obviously this has been going on for quite some time. And he's just learned about it. And then he gives them the reason why they should really be thinking hard and long about what they're doing. Verse 5, but know, or that's verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call. This is about David himself. God's will is behind David's reign, not theirs. This is a warning to these men that in rejecting him, they are rejecting God. He has been anointed. He had been chosen by God to be their king. And also, we see here that there's some confidence in knowing his answered prayers. When he says, The Lord hears him when he calls, he fully trusts God that he is set apart and that God hears his prayers. Those who reject God's anointed reject God himself. So he tells them, Be angry. And do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. And be silent. Selah. Now in verse 4 there. We really see the contrast between David and these men don't we? David isn't angry with them. He's just really hurt. David understands that these men for whatever reason. Are rejecting him because they're angry towards him. So he tells them okay fine. Okay, fine, be angry, but don't sin. This is really just the opposite of what we see in our culture today, isn't it? Where they say, sin, but don't be angry. David has compassion on these men, these vain, lying men. He has compassion on them. He doesn't want them to keep walking down this same road. He doesn't just warn them of their peril. He invites them to a new and better life, doesn't he? He virtually says, you've tried vanity and lies, but they've all failed. Come, let me show you a better way. If you wish to truly be blessed, let me tell you this great secret that I have. Go to a quiet place, get in your bed, and ponder what you've been doing, what you've been thinking about, your thoughts, your actions. And after you've pondered in your hearts and on your beds, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. We have a break there. I'm sure you noticed it. There's a break there between verses 4 and 5 and it, it's indicated by a sila. Now if you remember, and some of you weren't here then, but the last time that I preached I told you that sila means to, to think about those passages that you just read. Think about those things that have been told to you. Ponder them. So doing this does two things. Especially right here in this between four and five. It does two things. It encourages them to think about a change in their hearts. And then it's a a call to action, a call to repentance. Think about what you've done and act on it by offering right sacrifices and putting your trust in the Lord. Here David calls on these men to, to repent with a view toward them bringing righteous offerings and trusting in the Lord. This wasn't a matter of offering the right sacrifices for whatever sin that they've done. Obviously, if these men were the wealthy in society, they could offer all the animals in the world for whatever sins that they've done. This calls for a change of heart, though. This calls for a change of heart and, and attitude in those sacrifices so that they're acceptable. These sacrifices needed to be out of a devotion and out of a right relationship with the Lord. And they needed to commit themselves to the Lord, to Yahweh, their God. So to recap, we've seen that because David's calling on God and, and being heard. And in his past, because he's been heard in his past, he has developed a, a strong trust that God will trust, will always listen to his, his prayers and, and his distress and remove him from that distress. And in David's present distress, he calls on these men to repent and trust in God as he has. And now David gets back to his conversation in this prayer, his prayer to God. In verses 6 through 8, I've titled that as Reward. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart Than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I think the first part of verse six there is for these repentant men. Can you relate? When you honestly examine yourself and realize the sin that you've committed against God and confess that sin, I know for me, it depresses me. It really makes me feel down. And it's very humbling to admit your failures. And you think to yourself, who will show us some good? This is what this is all about. How many, how may, man may not show you some good for when you sin. But when you confess that sin to God, He loves you. What does He do? He lifts up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. The Lord shines His face upon you. So David prays with experience. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. I'm sure you've seen those fall harvest festivals. You know, after a great harvest, it's party time, right? There's singing and dancing, eating and drinking. But as David says here, O Lord, you have put more joy in my heart than even this. This isn't just a short-term joy. That will leave you with a hangover the next day. This is an everlasting joy. This is an everlasting joy that you'll know for the rest of your life. And into the next life. And he prays to the everlasting God. That in peace I will both lie down and sleep. When he's at peace with our Lord and realizes God is in control. I mean that happens to me right? Right? When I realize that God's in control, I sleep in peace. He's not going to just lie there and think about all those commercials for uh, different medications to to get us to sleep. He's going to lie there and not be in a frenzy. He's going to lie there in peace and sleep well. So David, under duress, calls on the God he has learned to trust and answer his prayers. He has compassion for these men. These vain liars. And that's hard to do, isn't it? To have compassion on people who are are calling you names and telling stories about you. But he has compassion on them. And he calls them to repent and trust in God the way he has. And that in return, God will shine his face on them, bringing joy beyond belief, peace in their sleep, and dwell in safety. I wonder, can you relate to this psalm? So about a thousand years later, about a thousand years after the life of David, along came another. Who was foreshadowed by David? The Lord's anointed, God's chosen, Jesus the Christ. I can almost hear Jesus repeating this psalm every night while leaving the temple. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were supposed to be godly men, they were supposed to be his friends. And then there were the friends of Jesus from his hometown who should have seen a Savior, but instead, oh, he's the carpenter's son. I can almost hear him saying, O oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? I can almost hear him saying, Be angry. And do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. And I can almost hear him saying to us now I have already offered the sacrifice for you. Trust, trust in me. We'll go through some of these same distresses that we see, David. Maybe we won't be fighting lions and tigers or bears. Maybe we won't be fighting Goliath, but we fight our sin. We go through these distresses. We're in this world, and this world is against us. This psalm is a lament and teaches us to trust and call on God when we are distressed. God has set us apart for himself. Know that. Trust in that. We too are His chosen. It is God who has chosen us. God has chosen us as His people. And we will all face opposition from the world. In His high priestly prayer, knowing the world would hate us as the world hated Him, Jesus prayed for our protection from the evil one. God heard the prayers of David in the past, And he will hear now the prayers of his saints. Us. All of our prayers now and all of our prayers in the future. As David called out those around him to repent and trust in God. Jesus called us as well to the same in the great commission. To go forth to make disciples and baptize all nations baptism kids when you speak to men follow this example pray to God he'll give you the words put your trust in the Lord and and the light of his face will shine upon you bringing you more than any harvest can do And you can lie down at night with a clear conscience without having to take all those medications with their side effects. You can lie down in peace. You can lie down trusting that God will take care of you. So after pondering a lot on this psalm, I found another verse that that prayer that was taught to me so long ago goes like this or the prayer goes like this now now I lay me down to sleep I pray thee Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake I pray thee Lord my soul to take if I should live for other days I pray thee Lord to guide my ways There's a lot of trust in that prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I I thank you for this psalm that you have uh, shared with us today. I pray, Lord, that we, uh, as David, trusted you so many years ago that uh, we see That we can trust you now. And Father, for those who haven't trusted you, I pray that you would uh, pierce their hearts with this psalm, that they would come to trust you now, that they would ponder on their beds tonight and then the weeks to come, that they would ponder you and be reached by you, O Lord. Father, I thank you that you have. uh, given us this to open our eyes to what you had done then and what you have done now and how Jesus has fulfilled this for us, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for growing us and, and changing us by it. In Jesus' name, amen.